Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. At the end, when this current heavens and this earth is dissolved with fervent heat, as the Bible tells us. But notice, at the end there, in that, that verse there, uh, uh, end of verse 1, it says that, that the, the wrath of God will be complete at this point. This Greek word is teleo, which, which means to, be, uh, to make an end, to be expired, to fill up, or to finish, or even to pay. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. In our lesson today, we learn that God tells us the progress of His wrath upon the earth. He also tells us when it's complete. Here, the hot wrath of God will fulfill an eternal purpose. God isn't just blowing off steam. These seven plagues are God's judgment on a disobedient and contrary world. If you have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and asked Him to forgive your sins, now is the time to do that. Once you do that, you will never have to face God's wrath. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. How great is our God. Amen? How great is He? Notice that these seven angels, they have seven last plagues. These seven last plagues are the final heptad of judgments that we've been talking about. There's three different heptads, right? We looked at the seals, we looked at the the trumpets, and now we look at these seven last plagues. And you remember this familiar graphic that I showed you. Well, now, well, actually next week, we're going to be getting into that final seven plagues. Notice in verse 1 back in our text, it says that in them the wrath of God is complete. This phrase intimates that God was pouring out his wrath prior to this. Now, it's no surprise to us that the seals and the trumpet judgments, those were all judgments. There are, but there are people who believe that those things really weren't the judgment of God. But, but now in Revelation 16, going forward, that that is actually the judgment of God. But that's not true at all, because this actually is another proof text, this verse that we're looking at right now, that the post-tribulation view is wrong. What is the post-tribulation view? It's a view that says that the church has to go through the tribulation, and then the rapture occurs. But that violates everything in the Bible. Did you know that? The post-tribulation view is not a very good viewpoint at all. We believe in a pre-trib rapture, meaning before the wrath is poured out on the earth, we are removed. And is that just something that I would like? Yes, it is. I'll be honest with you. I would really like that. Thank you very much. Is anybody here? Raise your hand if you want to go through wrath. Oh, wow. There's nobody. Anybody online? raising? I can't see. Oh, one person. Okay. No, nobody wants to go through that. 
It's nice and convenient, isn't it? And the world can mock us if they want. Oh, your crutch is Jesus. You better believe it is. What is your crutch? Heroin? What's your crutch? Alcohol? What's your crutch? Relationships? Controlled substances? Oxycodone? What is your crutch? Well, my crutch is Jesus, and I'm glad to say that he is my crutch. He is my crutch. Amen? Is he your crutch? Yeah, and you know why? Because the Bible says, what does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9? Remember, memorize this verse. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are many other passages and types in the Bible that corroborate this statement. But memorize this, because if we have to go through the tribulation to to be purified, then what Jesus did on the cross was insufficient. But it says that he said on the cross, it is finished. That means it's done. No more work that needs to be done. Our redemption was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. Amen? So we believe in a pre-trib rapture. And not just us, but all the saints that went before us, going all the way back to the first century church, believe the same thing. They believe the same thing because the type of it is all over the Bible. We've already went into that when we were in uh, Revelation chapter 4. We talked about the rapture. We won't go back there now. But notice that the wrath of God is considered his strange work, a strange work. In Isaiah chapter 28, what does it say? In the King James Version, it says strange work, or in, your, in a version you might see unusual or foreign work. In our uh, uh, verse today, it says that it is his, uh, his awesome work. But it really means strange or unusual. What does it say in Isaiah? For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon. That he may do his work, his awesome work. And this is the the same place where we would get, this is his strange work. Judgment is is God's strange work. He does it because his holiness demands it. But does he like it? Is it something that he likes to do? No, he'd much rather not do it at all. But he is who he is, and he cannot deny himself, and so he must bring judgment. It's his work, his awesome work, his literally his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Now, therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon what? The whole earth. The whole earth. People mock the Christian church and say, you guys have always been saying judgment is coming, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's coming. Trust me, it's coming. I'm not happy about it either. For me to be happy about that would have the direct, would have a heart that is not in line with God. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm so glad that we are going to be removed. The true church of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you're going to be raised incorruptible when we are raptured when you are taken up, and then these things are going to take place. Then these things are going to take place. I love what it says in Ezekiel chapter 33. These are a couple of verses I want you to write down. Just write the reference down because they're very important. You can always review the video or audio afterwards. But notice what it says in Ezekiel 33. Therefore, O son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Speak, saying, if our transgressions and if our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how should we then live? And then God says, say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and do what? And live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? That's a great 
message for America today, for the world. Why, why would you die? You don't need to die. Every one of us are going to die physically unless the rapture occurs first. But he's talking about eternal separation. Why will you die? Why will you be eternally separated from God? It's not his heart. What does it say in Second Peter 3 verse 9? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering or patient toward us, not willing, what, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. No matter who it is, the worst criminal on the earth that everybody wants to just throw away and, and send to the electric chair, that person, in the eyes of God, is a candidate of salvation, if they turn their heart. And it's been remarkable over our history to see how some of the most awful criminals, serial killers, that the world would be just like, you know, if I had just five minutes alone with that guy, you know, I mean, men feel that way, don't you, sometimes? Am I the only one? Uh, (laughs) You know, you get so angry. You want to take matters in your own. You don't have to because God's justice is perfect. But he does not delight in the death of the wicked. He wants all to come to repentance. But God... His wrath is justified. And I'm, this time in the book of Revelation, from chapter 6 onward, has been talking, we've been talking about the wrath of God. But we've also been talking about the, the greatness of God. And this is a, a difficult chapter. There is no doubt. But we have to understand that God's wrath, when it is poured out, it is justified, it's warranted by the misdeeds and the reprobate heart of those who dwell on the earth at that time. What does it say in Revelation 16? This is We'll see this next week, that one of the angels of the waters said, You are righteous. Notice, an angel is saying this to God as these final bowls of wrath are being poured out. What, is it, what does the angel say to God? You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. Notice, for they have shed blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Even the angels say, Lord, what they've got coming, they've got coming. And they can say it with 100% accuracy, with a right heart. Isn't that amazing? That there can be such a, a, a clinical decision in God's heart. The line has been crossed. Judgment must come. And there's no saving you at that point. God is almighty and infinite in his love, but he is almighty and infinite in his wrath as well. He is almighty God. The wrath of God is going to be poured out and completed, as it says in this verse. It's going to be complete, completed in uh, the sense of his judgment upon at least three things, namely those who have rejected the Lord and received the mark of the beast at this time period. God is also going to re- unleash his wrath on the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. They are going to be cast into the lake of fire. We see that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. What does it say? And this is after Jesus comes to the earth. What does it say? In in Revelation 19, verse 20, Then the beast was captured after Christ comes back, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two, notice, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone. This is the eternal resting place for the wicked dead. It's a place that God has created. That's their their ultimate place where they're going to be. And Satan himself will be put into an abyss. 
In Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3, it says, Then I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, this abuso, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the, old, of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan. And notice, he bound him for a thousand years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit. A, 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 a reserve tank, if you will. The, the, the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're already sent to Gehenna, the lake of fire. But he holds this one, this one, Satan, who's behind it all. He holds him into a special place and lets him puts a lid on him for a thousand years while we are enjoying a thousand years on this earth in Jerusalem with Jesus. Do you understand that? He's going to be bound. He won't be able to do anything. And his rage is going to be severe. He's going to be bound up. God is going to judge him. It's going to be complete, and it's going to be completed yet. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, God is speaking to the power behind the throne of Babylon, and he speaks directly to Satan, and it's very obvious as we read it. You don't need to go there, but just write the reference down. It says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, who you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I think I just said that. I will ascend, verse 14, uh, the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Isn't that the lie that he spoke to Eve in the garden? You can be like God. Just take a bite. Just take a bite of that that fruit. Looks good, doesn't it? Mm, pleasant for the eye. Probably tastes really good, too. Mm, you could be the CEO. You could control it all. All you got to do is take a bite. We'll even throw in a, a, nice, a nice car with leather seats. We'll pay the cell phone bill, too. All you got to do is take a bite. But notice, verse 15 in Isaiah 14, what does it say? Yeah, you shall be brought down to Sheol. You'll, you'll be brought down to hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. Didn't we just talk about pit in Revelation 20? He's going to be sent to the pit. Sent to the pit. And then we're also going to see the final judgment of Satan. It will occur in Revelation 20, verses 7 through 10, when Satan is finally cast into the lake of fire. It reads in Revelation 20, verse 7, Now when the thousand years have been expired, we've been, we've been, he's been in, in this, this abyss, this abuso, for a thousand years. A thousand years goes by in the millennial reign of Christ. And then it says, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations again. You'd think he'd get the point. If I were him, I'd come up and say, you know what? <laughs> we got this whole thing wrong. Um, I just want to be a part of your kingdom, Lord. You know, you've already said what's going to happen. I know what's coming. I'm just going to, I'm going to bow my knee. But does he do that? I don't even think that he's, he's capable. He is going to come after him. Isn't that insanity? Isn't that the most insane thing when God says this is what's going to happen? And Like he lists the things that are going to happen. It's going to happen like this, it's going to happen like this, and he goes through the thing, and behold, as you're living through them, it's exactly the way it's happening, and then you somehow think that your end, your end doom, you're going to get a, get a get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly. Oh, no. It's not going to happen that way. When the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, again, this group 
to gather them to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city. And notice, there's not going to be Armageddon here. This is not Armageddon. This is a one quick snuff, and he's going to blow, and it's going to be gone. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's it. Instant. And notice the devil who deceived them. Now he is reunited with his two other compadres, the beast and the false prophet, in the lake of fire, where they will spend, what does it say? The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you think maybe it's just a couple of weeks that they're there? Nah. No, it says forever and ever. And they will live forever and ever in bodies that will be able to be in torment. Sorry to be so gruesome, but sometimes we have to hit, be hit with the facts. And then finally, in the great white throne judgment, death and hell, it tells us, in verses 11 through 15, we're not going to read them right now, but those, of, uh, those who go to hell now are in, in Hades. But there's coming a day when God's going to take that container, if you will, of Hades, death and hell, and he's going to take that and he's going to cast that into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet and the devil are. And that is the final end. And that's the end of everyone who rejects Christ to their very end. That's the ultimate destination, the eternal destination. Our eternal destination is a new heavens and a new earth where a new Jerusalem comes down. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to Revelation 21 and 22. Looking forward to that day, <laughs> aren't you? I mean, I'm looking forward to the rapture. I'm certainly looking forward to the second coming. I'm looking forward to the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. Looking forward to that. But what I'm really looking forward is at the end when this current heavens and this earth is dissolved with fervent heat as the Bible tells us. But notice at the end there, in that, that verse there, uh, end of verse 1, it says that, that the, the wrath of God will be complete at this point. This Greek word is teleo, which, which means to, be, uh, to make an end, to be expired, to fill up or to finish, or even to pay, to pay. It's interesting that the New American Standard Version and the English Standard Version, they both translate this Greek word, with the word finished. Instead of complete, they say finished. Finished. It is finished. Does this sound familiar? It's the same word when Jesus said on the cross in John chapter 19, when he said, finally, when he gave up the ghost, and he said, it is finished, right? And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This is the same exact word. It is finished. Tetelestai. With the, with the article, it's tetelestai. Or teleo means the same thing, to pay paid in full. In fact, um, it's been interesting. There's been uh, papyrus fragments that have been found from um, from uh, tax people who did taxes, tax, um, tax, uh, what's the word I want? Yes, <laughs> people who collect tax, taxes. Uh, I've lost my head. Tax collector, there we go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I only had one cup of coffee this morning. But they found them where they actually said, Tetelestai. When you paid your taxes, you were stamped or, or written, Tetelestai. It's finished. Your, your debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. And that's exactly what Jesus spoke on the cross. 
It was the very last word that he spoke on the cross. To tell us, day I, it is finished. I love what John Walvoord said. He says, God did not leave his work of redemption half completed. It's completed. And he will not leave his work of judgment half completed either. He will finish what he started. That's the way he is. And that's what he is. If Jesus came to earth to seek and to save the lost, there is a remnant then, unfortunately, that is left. And they have chosen not to be saved. Salvation is a decision that you have to make, and I pray you make it today. Don't leave this place without giving your heart to Christ. If you come in this morning and you're sitting here and you've never given your heart to Christ, listen, you must give your heart to Jesus. It's not even a question of, you know, you, you, you have, you know, it's a good idea. No, you must. Give your heart to Him. I gave my heart to him when I was 24 years old, and I wished now that I had given my heart as soon as I came out of the womb. It would have saved me so much pain and heartache throughout my life. I made a mess of everything. I made a mess of my life. Did you make a mess of your life? Maybe you were going along and you were thinking, well, my life was actually pretty good. Well, it was a deception. But I made a mess of my life. I wish I could go back, and while I was still sucking my thumb in my mother's womb, I wish I could have given my heart then, or had my big toe in my mouth in my mother's womb. I wish I could have given my heart to the Lord then. That would have been awesome. But you come to the Lord when you come to the Lord, and it's never too late. It's never too late. Even in the tribulation period, there's going to be opportunity, folks, but it's going to be really, 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 really hard. The deception and the deceit is going to be so intense and God is going to send a strong delusion. You've never experienced that. The devil can deceive. Have you ever been, have you ever been oppressed by the devil himself? I don't know that I ever have. Probably demons, I'm sure. Uh, but I've never been uh, oppressed by the devil himself. Now think of the one who created all things. If he sends a strong delusion, oh my goodness, you better look out. So don't think you're strong enough to go through this and say, well, I'll just wait until the church is raptured and see if this is all really true, and then I'll give my heart to the Lord. <laughs> uh, don't have that much confidence in your own self. You have no idea. And he won't force you to be with him. God will never force you to be with him. There are people on the earth, and I don't understand it, they're just like, you know what, I hate God so much I want to be free. It sounds like Psalm 2, doesn't it? I want to cast his cord from me. I don't want him. I want to be my own dog. I want to do my own thing. I want to have a party with my friends in hell. You hear people talking like that? Nonsense. Foolishness. Foolishness. But God will never say, you have to come. He's going to give you the opportunity and gently. He's going to love you right to the end. He's going to love you right to the end until you take your last breath. What a loving God we serve. <laughs> Isn't he awesome? It makes you want to worship him the more, doesn't it? It makes you want to worship him the more. But notice in verse 2, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, and over his image, over his mark, over the number of his names, they're standing on the sea of glass. Who are these people? These are those who have been martyred during the tribulation period. 
They are standing there. They had the victory over the beast, over his image, over the mark, everything. And when we see this sea of glass, it it reminds us of that heavenly scene that we saw back in uh, Revelation chapters 4 and 5, where it says in Revelation 4 verse 6, that there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne, there were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and the back. The sea of glass speaks of God's purity, of his holiness. But notice that it says that it's mingled with fire because God will ultimately destroy the earth with fire. When, it, when, a, when purity is mixed with fire, that speaks of God's vengeance. In Second Thessalonians, it talks about this. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.